When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back with me at Always Evolving, where we're always evolving. And if you love this podcast, which thank you for all your messages to me on social media and also on the texting app community, which if you text me at 310-984-1858, 310-984-1858, you will receive direct text from me in regards to whenever I drop a podcast episode. Also, you can communicate with me. And as some of you know, I respond when I can. And some of you may know that I don't respond because I can't respond to every single text message, but it's my favorite way to communicate with you guys because I can go directly to your cell phone. So we are going to talk about something important today. And hopefully, I'll be able to provide you a new internal resource so that you can stop blaming yourself for things, or you can stop blaming others for things you can't control. Always Evolving is brought to you by Cast Centers, which is a company and organization very close to me. I founded Cast Centers over 17 years ago. We provide the best evidence-based practices for therapy, mental health, addiction. Anytime you're struggling or you have a loved one who is struggling, make sure you go to our website at www.castcenters.com. C-A-S-T centers.com. Give us a call. We're here to help. We'll help you with a free assessment and let's get your mental health on track. So I want to talk about how to stop blaming yourself. And sometimes we blame ourselves because we're almost in this cycle that we can't get out of. We end up blaming ourselves for maybe where we're at in our lives, aspects that we're not happy with. Maybe we blame ourselves when we're working. It's always our fault. Or maybe we blame others. Maybe we take more of a stance of blaming others, or if you're like me, you go through maybe a whole cycle of first blaming yourself, then blaming others, then blaming yourself again, and then just getting frustrated. So it's no surprise that, you know, I've been in therapy on and off for many years, and it's no surprise, or hopefully no surprise to you, that I am gay. And uh, initially, when I came out with this podcast, came out with it. Uh, I didn't talk about being gay because I just didn't think it was relevant. I thought it was kind of a comma in my name of a thousand descriptions about me. And I've entered therapy uh, recently, going through some uh, life changes and working through some issues that have popped up in my life. And something that I found myself doing was blaming myself. And what I realized was my attachment, and everyone's attachment is different when you're growing up. Sometimes people's attachment is maybe being daddy's girl, or your attachment was making your parents happy or making them proud. 
or, and we have a lot of different types of attachments. But for me, as I was growing up, I had never met a gay person in my life. I grew up in Laguna Hills, California, Nellie Gale Ranch, and I lived on a cul-de-sac where people, you know, lit fireworks and we played basketball and tennis and there were horse trails. That's in Orange County, California. And I was a young, I'm the youngest of three kids. On TV, I think we had maybe 52 stations. It was a big deal when MTV, uh, MTV was not offered in everyone's homes. And then there was VH1. And at the time, MTV just played music videos until they came out with this show called The Real World. And they started to have different spring break parties. And basically in the real world, there was a guy, I think his name was Pedro Zamora. They lived in San Francisco with his partner and someone died of HIV. And they were living with HIV, someone died of HIV. And that was kind of my first exposure that there was such thing as same-sex attraction. But because I never saw it growing up or knew what it was, when I had my first experience, I literally thought there was something deeply wrong with me and so wrong with me that I put myself in the category of being, maybe I needed to be sent away or maybe it was so bad that my parents found out, um, I don't know, like I, I literally saw myself as being the biggest creepy kid for having these feelings. And I blamed myself and I didn't understand it. And I think what happens for a lot of people who are maybe LGBT or people on the outside looking in, they may look at it and go, look, you, you know, people have rights today. There's social media. But to say that is almost like looking at someone who's been traumatized as a kid and let's say they've been emotionally abused. And then saying, hey, but well, don't you see that there's uh, Instagram memes that talk about emotional abuse today? And isn't that great? That doesn't take away from the immense pain and suffering for those people that literally hated themselves for something they had no control over. I was one of those people. And to help cope with these feelings of self-hate, I did drugs at a very young age. I sought to escape. I wanted to go with the homecoming queen, which I did. I was a star captain of the basketball team on a prestigious high school, the biggest Catholic school on the West Coast. I was popular. I think I was like student body vice president my senior, junior year. And I did everything on the outside to help me feel better on the inside. I just didn't want to feel like shit because feeling the feelings of self-hate is more painful than coming off drugs. It is an experience where it is highly confusing. And when we're traumatized at a young age, we don't have the adult coping skills. We don't have the abilities to look at the situation and to have clarity. So for a lot of people, they either will, they'll fight, you know, they're going to get into a flight, they're going to hide because they're really ashamed or they're gonna just try to conform the best they can to life. And the reason I'm saying this to you today is I can tell you even as a 42 year old man who's been in self-help for almost 20 years, who's in recovery, I still at times have that pain 
creep into my life to tell me a story that either I'm not deserving to be loved, that I'm not capable of being loved for who I really am, and that there's something wrong with me. And that if you see what's wrong with me, you're not going to love or accept me. And so what I've done or a pattern that I've had is I can push people away. Now, I know when I'm my best self, I invite people in. But when you attach love and intimacy and deeper connection to pain and fear and trauma, it creates a recipe with suffering. And I'm sharing this with you because I now, even though I've been to workshops and retreats, I realized that there were crucial events that happened when I grew up that created a story that somehow I was not deserving of love. And even today, I have to go back and remind that younger self because, you know, when we get emotionally dysregulated, I know some of, I know you at times get emotionally dysregulated and then you look back and you go, what was the big deal? Sometimes those events are because we're, our neurological system is dysregulated because at some point we were taught that we weren't safe. We believed we weren't safe and we get out of being ourselves. For me, I, to this day now, am having to look back at the little kid in me when I get a heightened sense of anxiety and I say to myself, the younger Mikey, I go, man, we're good. You got it. You got nothing to worry about. You're going to have an amazing life. Little Mikey, there are amazing men out there. You don't even know. There's actually millions of gay dudes. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with you. Because all I wish I would have had growing up at that point was just a hug, just someone to tell me I was okay. But I felt too ashamed. I used to look back at the younger parts of myself and I couldn't look back at the younger kid and be stoked on him, to be proud on him. Instead, I looked at that younger version of myself with kind of like, ah, this kid's kind of weird. Because I was lacking the ability to have compassion for that part of me or compassion for myself. And I want you to start having compassion for yourself. And sometimes, look, we can chase the rabbit hole with pathology and going, well, I feel this way because of this and this way because of that, and my mom did this or that. But I find that it's really helpful to look back in your life at a moment that was critical in your life, that younger girl or that younger boy, and to really look back at that moment. And what do you actually say to yourself? Are you still carrying the little boy or little girl in you today? Or have you evolved and grown up and able to look back at yourself with compassion? Because if you want to stop blaming yourself, it requires you to have self-compassion. We can say, I love me all day long, self-love, love myself. But until we go back and we really look at ourselves. Now, this is one tool. This is one exercise. There's a thousand different ways to get out of blaming others and blaming ourselves, It's the same thing with blaming others. We can look back in our life at certain events where we started blaming others in our life. Maybe it was mom, maybe it was dad. And if we look back at that younger part of ourselves, what do we wish we could have said to them? Hey, dad left, not because of you, kid. Dad left because he's a mess and he's an alcoholic and he's incapable of giving you the love that you want. And you deserve so much better. 
and I want to give you a hug. I want to love on you. I want to give you that compassion. I believe in you. We have to do that for ourselves. If we want to heal, if we want to operate differently in our lives today, I'm still doing this today. You know, I do write books. Many of you follow me on social media. I'm no different. You know, I am trying to do the best I can to be the best man I can possibly be. And sometimes certain events in our lives, whether it will be losing someone, whether it will be heartbreak, whether it will be getting sober, whether it'll be a big transition, causes us to get into a lot of fear. And in those moments, we have to realize that we've come so far, that we're completely capable, and that we can't be scared to look back at our lives and start to heal and start to feel better about ourselves. So I know this wasn't maybe the uh, roadmap that we thought we were going to get into with how do we stop blaming ourselves and how do we stop blaming others. But the key takeaways are look back at your life. You can get a piece of paper and pen and write out when did you start blaming yourself in your life? At what moment? At what age? When did it start? And write it out. And if you find yourself blaming other people, write out when did you start blaming other people in your life? When did you start getting proof that people would let you down, that people weren't going to be there for you? When? What happened? And then the next part of the exercise is, can you sit there and visualize your younger self and what you wish you could have told them? It could be a hug. It could be a compliment. It could be some wisdom. But what could you have told them? And finally, this is the message and this is the mantra that you can start telling yourself. So part of my mantras that I have today is the world is safe. I'm lovable. I'm capable of having growing intimate relationships. And it's not my fault. So with that, until next time, always evolve. Thanks for all the positive comments and keep it magical.